All right, good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see everybody. Anybody know what today's date is? Yes, of what month? Does anybody know why that's significant? Anybody remember? Thanksgiving, yeah, it's getting close. That's not what I was looking for. Anybody else? Anniversary of some sort? Today marks seven years the church at Southside has been a mobile church plant. Yeah, happy anniversary. Isn't that cool? Seven years. As you get, uh, as we get older, man, seven years goes by pretty quick, it feels like, doesn't it? It's been a great seven years, though, so we are, we are very thankful. Look out now. And uh, we want to pray towards the next seven, amen, that God continues to, uh, to use us. Brantley, I don't know what I did there. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, but let's uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for that seven years, and then we'll get into the Word together today. So thank you for being here, Father. We just uh, we think about that, man. It's it's mind blowing. Seven years uh, uh, through bad weather, uh, through a pandemic. Uh, fortunately, God, we've never missed a Sunday. Um, that's just the faithfulness of you and your provision and your leading. And uh, Father, just uh, just thank you. I, I think back to so many victories, things that have happened, uh, the baptisms that we've had out here, those that have come to know you for the first time, those that uh, have beat addiction, those who uh, maybe have gotten off the street, those who have uh, got just... Um, continue to just grind where they're at and look to you uh god it's all just been uh an honor to watch and to see and uh just be along for the ride and so jesus we thank you uh if someone's here for the first time today maybe this is a little foreign to them they don't understand it but we have said all along that jesus uh really as weird as it may sound you're uh our pastor you're our god uh father no man or woman boy or girl leads this uh body it's you we just follow your leading and so uh the rest of us are just here to listen and try to follow along with what you tell us and so uh we still as we started this thing we prayed this prayer and we pray it today and we'll pray it the next seven years uh we need you uh jesus we love you and we thank you we honor you uh and just pray that what you have seen here this seven years and what hopefully you see the next uh uh is a blessing to you and uh and a testimony to others of your faithfulness your provision your love and your grace and your mercy and so jesus we thank you again we just say we need you and we pray and we ask these things in jesus name amen all right. Well, last week, a beautiful interaction for those that were here. We were uh, coming out of the Sermon on the Mount and seeing Jesus as he comes down uh, from the mounting. And Scripture actually spelled out the exact timing. If you were here last week, you saw that. And that's not always the case with the Gospels, right? We pick up with the story and we don't necessarily know the time frame. But last week, Jesus had finished teaching the Sermon on the Mount. We started Matthew chapter 8, and it says these words when he came down from the mountain 
right? So he gives us the timing that Jesus has just taught this amazing message. He's walking down a mountain and then he encounters a leper. If you were here last week, you heard that story, this horrible skin disease and even worse, the isolation, the, the, the ridicule, the embarrassment of having to say the words unclean as they would come into a town. And this man has the humble audacity, and I pray that some of us have that as well, to no matter what condition he was in, to lay himself down in a humble posture in front of Jesus. And he said these beautiful words with even more of a beautiful response from Jesus. He looks to Jesus with an impossible situation. Anybody feel like they're in an impossible situation this morning? And he says this, if you will, you can. You remember that? He looks to him about his healing. He says, if you will, you can. And Jesus looks at him at words we said that had to taste like honey. He says two words. He says, I will. And then even more beautiful than that, he reaches and touches the untouchable, the one that by law would have made Jesus unclean, right? But instead, his cleanliness transfers to the leper. And because of his faith in who Jesus was, he says, you are now clean. Now go and do the prescribed thing. But it had to be just this amazing scene, right? The crowd still following, still walking down the mountain, especially those religious leaders looking to catch Jesus, right? And by the way, remember the way that the Sermon on the Mount ended, that little jab at the scribes and Pharisees' pride as the crowd murmured, we're astonished. We've never seen anybody teaching like this. In fact, he teaches as one with authority, not like the scribes, right? And these were people that lorded their power, their position, their prestige over people. And so that was a huge deal to begin to hear some of that mumbling in the crowd that Jesus is teaching better and and with more authority than anybody that ever seen or ever heard. And Jesus finishes this off walking down a hill. And by the way, this didn't catch Jesus off guard, right? He knew who this leper was. He knew him by name. He knew him in the depths and the secret of his mother's womb. He created him. And he's walking down to have an appointment with him and knows the whole law, right? Jesus is the law. He is the word, but yet still chooses to touch the untouchable and to heal him and to show such a tender moment of compassion. Can I give you some good? That's the good news of the gospel. Can I give you some great news? He'll meet you the same way. Tenderness, compassion, even in what seemingly feels like an unhealable, impossible situation, He will meet you with loving kindness and compassion. That is the beauty of Jesus. Well, that gets us to our place today. Another beautiful story uh, that we see. We don't have the exact time frame like we did with Jesus coming off the mountain. We know that uh, there's some time that passes, but I want to pick us up in Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Here's what it says. It says, When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worried to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. 
I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go and let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe in this place that it is God-breathed, useful for all sorts of things. So, Father, we pray if you need to convict today, you convict. If you need to encourage, if you need to uh, remind somebody that you're with them, Father, whatever way you need to speak to our hearts this morning, we give not that you need our permission, uh, but we willingly grant it, Holy Spirit, and just say, have your way in this place today. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So no exact timing here like we had it last time, but we know that Jesus has now entered Capernaum, right? So we know this. Jesus had taught the Sermon on the Mount. He had this amazing encounter with the leper, and now him and his disciples, other followers, are traveling along the way, no doubt, looking for others to minister to, to spread the message. And Jesus also knows what is taking place now. Now, he knows that moments like he had with the leper, I promise you, he knows that's inching him closer and closer to an appointment for redemption story to land on the cross. He knows. He knows the pride of the religious leaders. He knows the astonished crowds and how the message is spreading. He knows that things are ramping up. And so Jesus is traveling. He's doing the will of his father. But I want to take you to the story here, and I want to tell you what a big deal this is. Because at face value, it may not seem like much to you. It's like, okay, a, a guy comes to him and says, I've got somebody that needs healing. I need you to heal him, right? Jesus heals people. So end of the story, right? But who it was is of great importance. It was a centurion, right? Uh, a Roman commanding officer. Now, I want to take you back, and if you've been around, you've heard this part of the story, but take you to this, that Israel is under Roman rule, right? In fact, so many in Israel, that's why they are longing for the Messiah, by the way, incorrectly, thinking that the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to have a sword and a shield, and he's going to sit on this military mighty throne, and he's going to rule with an iron fist, and Rome won't be able to touch us anymore because we are God's chosen people, and he is going to arm himself in that way, and he is going to make everything right. The only problem was he came and he armed himself with a basin and a towel to wash feet. He came to touch the untouchable like he did with the leper, right? That was what Jesus armed himself with, was grace and mercy and compassion and righteous anger at those that knew the truth or should have known the truth but didn't live in that truth. I've told you that before, right? The people he gets the maddest at are the religious, the ones that are supposed to know better, the ones that had the law memorized backwards and forwards. That's the ones that really made him mad because when he encountered them a lot of times, he would say, you're like a whitewashed tomb, right? Like on the outside, all polished and clean and looking nice, but on the inside, what do you tell them? It's full of dead man's bones, right? You're like a cup, right? Clean on the outside, but the inside is just filthy. It's all about appearance with you, right? And Jesus has just taught about that in the Sermon on the Mount, that it's not about what the outward appearance shows. It's not about what we do. Some of us need to hear that this morning. I want to say it again. It's not about what we do. It's about what's been done. It's not about you, it's about He. Don't ever stand before a holy God one day and use the excuse, well, I did this, I did that. The only proper answer is going to be to stand there and say, well, He did this, right? 
Alistair Begg, we talked about that sermon before. The man on the middle cross said I could come. But it's about what he's done, not what I've done. But the centurion is a Roman official, and not just any Roman official. He's a commanding officer in the army, and the word centurion literally from the word century, right? He's in charge of a hundred or more soldiers. This guy is an important deal. He's a big deal. He's uh, a Roman official, has all authority uh, of Rome and everything. And, and he was, you know, part of the people that were in charge of Israel. And if you want to know the truth, that most Romans did not interact with Jewish people except to keep them in line, tell them how they had messed up, remind them how much in charge Rome was. But here we have this Roman, not just a Roman citizen, but a Roman official in the army, a commanding officer. And it says that he appeals to Jesus. But here's the crazy thing. They never appealed to Jewish people. This is so far breaking protocol. The, the fact that a Roman official would walk up and go to a Jewish person and appeal to them anything other than you need to get in line. You need to move over there. You need to listen to what we say. You need to obey us. Rome is in charge, right? I come with all authority of Rome. But this is a different story altogether. This centurion goes to Jesus and it says that he appeals to him. It says a centurion came forward to him appealing to him. This doesn't happen. But even more amazing, if you listen to the wording here in this story today, not only did this Roman official appeal to Jesus, but listen to what he says. The very first word, by the way, a great place to start. If you don't know where to begin with Jesus, if you have no clue what to say, can I offer you a word that gets the attention of the Father's heart? That if you come humbly and in love and in a place, a posture of humility and say these words, I want to guarantee you, whether you know him or not this is the key to have the ear of the father it's a wonderful place to start if you don't know him because you can know him listen to what the centurion says it says that he walks up to him and he appeals to jesus with this he says lord can i tell you what an earth-shattering moment this is i don't know how many people were following jesus at this point i know the 12 i know others disciples where there's some hanger-ons and some show watchers from the sermon on the mount i don't know but I can tell you the crowd is growing. And to see a Roman official walk up, by the way, he wasn't in plain clothes. Centurions didn't go out in public like that. He's in full regal military Roman gear. And he walks up to Jesus, appeals to him in a humble manner, people can tell, and says the word, Lord. Can I tell you, this doesn't happen. Probably in the history, Roman history of being in charge uh, uh, in Israel's time frame, never probably has a Roman person walked up to a Jewish person and said, Lord. This is a person of authority laying his authority to the side and saying, I know who's in charge in this moment, Lord. Maybe this is a guy that's exhausted every option. There's a lot of people in this parking lot that have done that. You've gone to the bottle. You've gone to a pipe. You've gone to a woman or a man. You've gone to any number of things or the list of I gotas. If I could just, if I gotta, if I could just do that, or if I could just do this, if I could just get off the street, if I could just get a new job and all these things. And really what you need to do is start with that one word today, be humble enough to bow the knee and say, Lord, 
If you don't know anything else to say, start there and say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord because of what you did on the cross. Lord. It means, in other words, just like this guy saying, I'm laying all authority down. You have authority and free will to live your life the way you want to. That's the beauty of free will. You have the opportunity to hang on to that and fight like hell to keep it and go to your dying day to stand before a holy God and say, I'm Lord of my life. It's going to land you in separation from a holy God. But to bow the knee here and say, Lord, I lay down the authority I have of free will and my choice is not to be the Lord of my own life, but to allow you to be the Lord of my life. So start with that word, Lord. Here's what he says. He says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed, suffering at home. And I want to tell you, there is such a huge lesson in this one verse here. Lord, my, my servant is lying, suffering, paralyzed at home. Can I tell you what the Roman centurion is saying? He's saying, listen, I got a lot of authority here on earth. I got, I'm over a hundred men in the most powerful army the world has ever seen at that point. I've got authority when I say something, right? People go and do it. In fact, he says that here in just a little bit. But you know what he couldn't do? He couldn't do anything about his servant that he loved and cared for that was laying there paralyzed at his home. He couldn't do anything. You can have all the power and prestige in the world. Sometimes life is going to throw things at you that you can't do anything about. Do you think you can handle those situations better or perhaps the creator of the universe? It's an easy question, right? I fumble my Mondays. Mondays are rough for me, right? I, I, I start out the gate bad sometimes on the week. I can't even handle a Monday sometimes. You think the creator of the universe can handle it better than me? I'll get in the way in a hurry. I'm talking about like we, we all love our football, right? Some of us, some of us don't this morning. But here's the thing about it. When you, when you have this, this football mentality, you're looking at this game, you never want to start behind the sticks, right? I do that on Mondays a lot of time, man. I come out of the gate first and 25. I do it to myself. Lord, who's the Lord of your life? Is it you or is it someone else? But he couldn't do anything about this paralyzed, suffering servant that was at home. But can I tell you here, not just in this verse, throughout the Gospels, throughout all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is filled with stories of people who are in need of healing. Anybody in need of healing this morning? Physical, emotional, spiritual, any kind of healing. Let me tell you a beautiful testimony is a beautiful testimony of the, the centurion as he hits a, a situation he can do nothing about. He's got no power, or no authority when it comes to this paralyzation. But you know what he could do? He could take his friend to Jesus. That's the beautiful part of the story. And he couldn't even do it physically, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure he could have made preparation and ways to do it, but he's paralyzed and he's at home. But he goes to Jesus and he says, my suffering servant, like he is suffering, he is hurting, he is paralyzed at home. Lord, or is he saying, I've, I've exhausted all resources. I can't do anything. I need you to intervene. Some of you have folks in your family. Some of you have friends. Some of you in your own life have exhausted all resources. Have you taken them to Jesus? So, man, I can't do that. They live in California. They live in Hawaii. I can't go that far to, to bring them to Jesus. Can you start with this word? Lord, 
You can take them right now, right now to the throne room of God. You can take them with one word. Another beautiful word to start with is Father. He wants us all to be sons and daughters of Him through Jesus. And this is what He does is that this man goes to who he is now considering Lord. He's saying, I don't know if he heard about the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if he had been on the fringes and heard Jesus through town. I don't know how he knew, but I can tell you this, he's going to the right source. And he says, Lord, Jesus reply at this beautiful act of humility and faith. He says this, I will come and heal him. Now, I want you to know, for the record, two instances in a row where someone has approached Jesus with humility and Him being Lord of their life, and both in the same manner coming to Jesus saying basically the same thing, if you will, you can, and Jesus replies to both, I will. That's what he said to the leper, right? The leper said, if you wanted to, if you wanted to heal me, you could. Jesus says, I will. This centurion, I've got a servant at home that I love and I care for. He's suffering greatly. He's paralyzed. Lord, if you would just, I will. I will come and heal him. But I want to tell you, it's even more beautiful there, even more than the humility. Jesus says, I will come to him and heal him. But listen to this humble response by this man who's got it all. I want to tell you, can you just imagine a Roman centurion? He wasn't living in a shack probably living in a pretty decent spread. He had all that he wanted. I want to tell you, if he goes into a restaurant, like he gets seated at the best table, probably doesn't even have to pick up the tab. This guy's got it all. He's in a position of authority of the ruling government of the day, the most powerful government in all of this time. They can't do anything about this person, but he humbly says to Jesus, you know, Lord, you can do this, but listen to even more the humble response. In fact, It kind of reminds me of John the Baptist a little bit. You remember the baptism of Jesus when Jesus goes to John the Baptist and he's baptizing folks and he says, I want to be baptized. And John has a step back moment. Wait, hold on a minute. You need to be the one to baptize me. Let's don't get this. And then John says this. If you remember, he says, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. Right. Like if we're going to kick your sandals off to the bank and you step on down to the to the Jordan, like I can't even do that part of it. And Jesus says, no, this is this is the will of the father. I mean, this is kind of what's going on here when when this guy, he has this humble moment. And listen to what the centurion says. He said, if you'll come and heal him, you know, he'll be healed. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. Jesus was going to go to his house, walk in the door and heal this servant. Right? That, that's what's setting up here. Listen to what the centurion says. Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. If you don't think this guy didn't know who Jesus was already, the one word response, first off, appealing to him at all, and then saying the word Lord, right? Like the position of authority I'm laying down and I'm, I'm giving you the position of right authority. You are Lord. And then Jesus says, I'm going to come and heal him. And the guy stops him and says, hold on a minute. Hold on. Can you imagine the humility, the posture? I'm not even worthy for you. The Roman official, the important person, if we're looking at the titles, I'm not worthy for you, Jesus, to even come under my roof. 
Can you imagine the people watching? Like, I can't even imagine the disciples. I, I imagine Peter over there, like, we know Peter. If you look at him in Scripture, I, I kind of got a little bit of that in me. But, like, he's sitting over there with, like, the hand on the knife in the sheath. Like, Roman centurion coming to Jesus, not on my watch, right? And then seeing this guy say, Lord, and almost bowing the knee, and then, then saying the statement, I would love for you to come to my house, but I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. You get the picture of how amazing this story is? I mean, just mind-blowing stop here. But here's the beauty of this, and I want to tell you, if you want to learn a lesson today that will carry you for the rest of your life, it's right here in these verses. Not only does this centurion have this tremendous humility, he has an amazing faith. A faith that I aspire to have because after he humbly tells Jesus, I, I wouldn't even be worthy for you to come under the roof. Listen to what this. He says, you don't even have to come. This is the centurion telling Jesus. He says, you don't even have to come to my house. Imagine the disciples even stepping back. Now, Jesus knows what's going on here. But, I mean, can you imagine? Well, wait a minute. I thought he wanted... He's saying he's going to come heal him. Why aren't you letting him come to your house first off? And, and now, you know, you're, you're, I don't get it. The amazing faith, and in fact, he uses the example here. Listen to what he says. I want you to catch this. The centurion says, I am a man under authority too. You know what that means? He's saying again, I know Jesus. You are a man of authority. I am too. Right? We, we recognize that in each other. In fact, he says it. He says, I've got these soldiers that I'm over, and I say to them, go, and they go. I say, come, and they come. I say, do this, and they do that, right? He's, he's already given that example, but listen to what he says here. Verse 10, when Jesus hears this, he marvels at his face, and here's why he marvels at the faith, because the man tells him, you don't have to come if you just say the word. Can you imagine this situation? I mean, we know the rest of the story. We have the Bible. We have the, the whole gospel here. And we've got the, the ending story, right? We win. We're on the winning side, if you know him. But he says, Jesus, you don't have to come because if you, just like I'm under authority, you're under authority. If you just say the word right now, my servant will be healed. You see the faith in that? Guys, can I be honest? I, I want to be completely real with you. Sometimes I am in the midst of praying something for myself or for someone else, and I don't even have the faith enough to pray it believing that it's going to happen. So ah, It's probably not going to happen. You know, like it's, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, has anybody else ever felt that, or am I alone in that? And this guy is standing in that moment and the king of kings, the one that he has put lordship on, says, I'm going to come and heal him. He says, don't come. I, I don't even want you under my roof. But if you just say the word right now. In other words, Jesus, if you decide it, it's going to happen. Can you imagine praying with that kind of faith for some of your friends that are lost? Can you imagine praying for some of your friends that need emotional, physical, spiritual healing? Saying, Jesus... I believe. Praying in faith is this. It's praying today on Sunday and acting as if some time out there, yes, it's already happened. 
and maybe even praying with the nugget of Jesus, I'm praying for this and I'm going to thank you in advance for it happening. Now, that's not name it, claim it, because I want to tell you from the experience of a 13 year old boy's heart. I'm not 13 now. It was a few years ago, but I prayed desperately, desperately had the poster on my wall for a red cherry red Lamborghini. Those doors that would open up the Lambo doors. And then to top it off, when I was about 15, I had the opportunity on a school trip to go uh, to Europe. And I saw Ephraim, I saw a Lamborghini dealership. And I looked in the window and it was nighttime. And let me tell you, I can't even repeat what I probably said back then, but I want to tell you how bad this car was. They had it on a rotating display and had a light on it and had those doors open. And man, it would just rotate every time it rotated around. God, I want that car, right? I still don't have it. I got a Chevy truck. I'm a little off on the Lambo. But the, the point is, I, I prayed for that and said, Lord, I just I, I know I've just meant to have that car. I'd look so good driving in that car, right? Anybody can look good driving a Lambo. That, that's a silly prayer, though, right? God's not a genie in a bottle. He's not a vending machine. He's not about this kingdom. He's not about those things. doesn't mean that you can't have nice things. It doesn't mean that he doesn't bless. It doesn't mean I, I'm not getting into that. It's just there's a difference when we pray for other people. There's a difference when we pray for people's healing. There's a difference when we pray, God, your will be done. You see, because the verses that talk about, well, he'll give you the desires of your heart. We say, well, I desire the Lamborghini, Keith. Yeah, but where's that desire coming from? Is that a holy desire? I mean, maybe, maybe your idea is I, if I had that, I could get people to church in really quick time. You know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Most people, it's just they want it, right? But can you see the difference in a prayer like that versus praying like, you know, God, be with my friend Bill. Uh, he's got this need going on and he needs you this week. Hey, do, you, do you see the father's ear to that of like, man, this, that's, that's a humble prayer. Not even praying for himself, but praying for somebody else, praying for their good. Lord, we pray for your will in this situation. But, I mean, this guy here is at this moment, he knows, he says, Jesus, if you just say it, if you deem it to be so, then it's already done. Some of you maybe need to pray for your own deliverance that way. Let it be done. You know what that means when it says amen? When you put amen on a prayer, any Beatle fans, let it be. Let it be so. Amen. I'm, I'm putting the stamp on it. I believe in Jesus' name. I mean, we even say that, the name that is above all names. I said it last week. I used to be so foolish that I thought that that verse was speaking of anyone that could be named. I thought it meant John. That it, Jesus is greater than John. Jesus is greater than Sam and Bradley and Jason and Jennifer. It's not just that. That's such a small view. It's anything that you can attach a name to. Your vehicle, your job, your relationship, any person, any disease, any addiction, anything that you can stamp a name to it. I got a name that is greater. It's the name of Jesus. And at that name, every knee will bow. Why not do it now? You're going to say, Lord, one day, but do it now while it counts. While you can be in his presence forever. Believe in him today. 
So Jesus hears this. He hears this man looking to him as as an authority figure. And he looks and he kneels down and he says, Lord, if you'd just heal him, he could. And then he tells him, you don't even have to come. Just say the word now and listen to Jesus' response. It says he marvels at his faith. Truly, I tell you, with no one in all of Israel have I found such faith. It's right that we're amazed at this centurion's faith. Jesus, the creator of all, was marveling at his faith like, wow. Jesus is having this moment of being God, but also in the flesh and having this person of authority lay down his authority, call him Lord, and said, if you just say the word right now, you don't even have to come. It's already done. Let's get this show on the road. Say it, Jesus. I know he's healed. And Jesus has a moment where he says, wow. I haven't seen anything like this in all of Israel and all of my people. I haven't seen it. And a Roman centurion is kneeling and saying, just say it. It's done. And Jesus says, I haven't seen any faith like this in all of Israel. And then Jesus kind of goes, and if we're not careful here, we can kind of get lost in the weeds. It may seem confusing. I believe it's simple once we look at it. And it greatly impacts us in this parking lot, unless you were Jewish this morning. I believe most of us are Gentiles out here. But here's what he says in the last couple of verses. He says, I tell you, and this is after he says, I'm marveling at this guy's faith, hadn't seen any faith like this. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, what a bummer, Jesus. <laughs> Like you just told us this amazing story of, you know, this centurion, and now you're going to talk about hell. That's what he's talking about, this outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. But what's he talking about? Why is he talking about it here? Because he's dealing with a Gentile. He's dealing with a Roman in a Jewish audience, listening and seeing this thing. And here's what Jesus is telling. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who you are. Really, it doesn't even matter what you do. It's about me. It's about my kingdom. And that's what he's saying here is that people from the east and west, in other words, not our people. He's talking to these Jewish people. People are going to come from all over. And one day they will dine as sons and daughters of the king with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. While many from our country that do not believe in me will be separated into outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just because you were born into God's chosen people, you still have to bow the knee just as the centurion did and say, Lord. Doesn't matter where you came from. Good news for us in that parking lot, doesn't matter where you came from. Don't matter where you're at now. You may say, man, Keith, my life's in the gutter. Jesus makes a habit of finding folks in the gutter, right? He'll leave the 99 to come after you. Don't think your lot in life, your position in life, or what you've done is going to bear on the grace of Jesus. It's available for all. Let's bow the knee, right? You say those words, Lord. And so Jesus isn't going off on another direction here. He's just reminding them, this is what the kingdom's about. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your story. It matters who's the Lord of your life. And this guy, this guy, hadn't seen faith like that in all of our people. I mean, he just looks at me and says, if you just say the word, it's done. What amazing, amazing faith. Then in the closing statement in this interaction by Jesus, listen to the beautiful words. Just like last week, he says, but with a little twist, go. He tells him, go. 
The guy said, you don't have to come. You say the word, go, and it'll be done. He says, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. It's not like my 13-year-old prayer for the Lamborghini. This was for God's will, for good and meaningful things. It was for someone else in Jesus' name and praying in faith as if yes had already happened. That's how this man believed. And guys, as a result, here's what it says. When they get through with this interaction, they get through with the conversation, and he says, Jesus, you just say the word, it'll happen. Jesus says, go, and it'll be done as you believed. The Scripture finishes and says, at that very moment, he was healed. Can you imagine the centurion? We don't have the rest of the story. i just say this in closing. Can you imagine the centurion walking back with a little pep in his step and getting close to his house and just saying, I know he's healed. But I just want to throw out a human just thought here, right? This is a human being that we're dealing with that has moments of faith, moments of doubt, moments of victory, moments of defeat, just like us all. And I can't imagine, though, him walking up and just having that little bit of thought, is it really going to happen? Like, still blown away by the interaction, but he walks in, and the servant that was laying there suffering and paralyzed is up walking around because he was healed at the very moment that that faith interaction happened with Jesus. Here's my advice. We've seen it two weeks back to back. Approaching Jesus humbly, with faith and love changes things. I want to tell you this. Maybe, maybe you don't know me that well. Maybe it's your first week. Maybe you've been out here for the full seven years. Will you look at me and tell? I want to tell you this with hopefully where you trust me with a heart of love. If you too approach Jesus humbly, with faith, with love, and with Him being Lordship of your life, it'll change things. Now, it may not set everything right here in this earth, but can I tell you, he's keeping score. And my Bible tells me that he's in the process right now of making all things new. Setting things right. Going to be better than Eden. That's all I can tell you. I hope you're a part of it. I'm going to be there, and it's got nothing to do with standing up here with the Bible open. It's what Jesus did for me on a cross. He did it for you, too. She got to bow the knee and say, what's that word? Lord. Maybe say it today for the first time. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we all come to you in that manner, that we can say, Lord, and that you are Lord of our life, that we've already made that decision. If not, maybe we say it today with the first time with the emphasis of, I believe. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. May we approach you humbly, with faith, and with love. And we'll trust you at your word that that changes things. And so, Jesus, we'll start with the prayer, or we'll end with the prayer we started with. We need you, we love you, and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.